Good morning and Merry Christmas. Uh, how many of you guys are like me? You're dreaming of a white Christmas. You just want to have one. Like, I've never had a white Christmas before. I've never had, like, in Hawaii gets cold. It was like freezing this morning, yeah? Like 71, maybe 72. I was like, I can see my breath. <sighs> I was like, really cold. I wore a jacket to church this morning. I was like, yeah, winter. And, like, we're setting up. We're decorating here on the stage. We love white Christmas. We're trying to envision what it's like. We don't know, right? We have white sand. We don't have white snow. But this whole idea of white Christmas, I love white Christmas. I want, I've never been in the snow for Christmas. I always say one year I want to go travel to have a white Christmas. The problem is I'm the pastor of the church and Christmas is kind of a big deal and I can never take the time off to go. So I'm trapped. So I'm always in that. But I always watch the movies and I just want snow. I want the decorations. My favorite movie of, of looking at what white Christmas is all about, here's my favorite one, Home Alone. Anybody who loves Home Alone? That's a good one. I'm Macaulay Culkin, right? Here's, here's my, ready for this, my Macaulay Culkin impersonation. That's all I got. I'll be here all week. Uh, not too talented, but that, I love in that movie, like when you just, they're driving down the street or they're looking at these houses and everything's just like white and there's just like lights and just that whole feeling. Because here's the thing about the holidays, it stirs up the feels, doesn't, doesn't it in us? Like for some reason, you just come to this time of year, the music starts going on, the lights start going around and we just start reminiscing, we get reflective, we get like all excited and there's a lot of really good feelings we get. We get all the, the feelings from the songs like joy and love and peace and we get like uh, uh, merry and bright and all, you know, cheerful and, and we, we get generous. I mean, that's what's cool is like we become thankful. Thanksgiving rolls around. We focus on that. We get generous. We give to people. We buy them presents. We, we get gifts. But on the other side of it, there's a reality that some of the feels that get stirred up inside of us are not as healthy, not as happy. And sometimes it may just be because you remember uh, loss at this time of year. Like last year, we had so-and-so with us, or the times growing up, or maybe you're, you're reminiscent of, of childhood experiences, and sometimes it's, it's discouraging. It could be that you're just looking at your bank account, buying gifts, and going, oh, you know, that's depression right there, like just in the empty bank account. But there's, sometimes there's other things that, that happen. And we're around friends and family, and there's dysfunction in our family, our relationships. Or maybe we're thinking why we're not around certain friends and family and people. And there may be some bitterness. There may be some anger. There may be some unforgiveness. And what we're going to be talking about today in this series on white Christmas isn't so much focusing on the snow. But it's about God wants our hearts to be white as snow. He wants us to be clean. He wants us to not carry around a lot of this stuff that especially during the holidays, a lot of this stuff gets stirred up inside some of us. And so I want to talk today about this subject of unforgiveness. And it's not like a really like, hey, that's not really a happy, cheerful Christmas thing. But the reality is this, is people are hurting out there. You might be hurting out there right now. You might have been hurt deeply by someone recently or maybe it's been a long time, but you're still holding on to you, still carrying it. And I was praying over all of the cards. You know, we ask you to pray out the, to fill out those prayer cards every week. If you got something heavy in your heart, we want you to know that you're being prayed for. So our staff, every Wednesday, we get together. Someone types up all the requests, and we just go through it, and we pray over every single one of your uh, prayers that are going on there, your requests. It goes out to our whole prayer team and intercessors, and they all pray over it as well. But I was looking this past week, and it's like... It's a big deal recently in the last week that I got of the request that there's so many 
of you in here right now, or maybe you're sitting next to people, but in our church, they're going through really difficult relationship struggles right now. And a lot of it has to do with hurts that have, that have happened, whether it's physical, verbal abuse or whatever, or just emotional stress or whatever it might be. But there's some bitterness and there's some unforgiveness in there. And so this isn't something that is just some lighthearted thing. This Christmas, my heart's desire for you is that you could get to the point in a few weeks from now of actually having Christmas and having a white Christmas in your heart, that you've, you've taken steps to deal with some of the stuff that maybe for some of you, you've swept some hurts under the rug for years and you don't want to go back and think about stuff that's happened to you or things that have been said or things that have been done and you know that between you and family or you and certain friends, it's not good and you've tried to put on a good Christian face and be good, but there's something inside and I just want to deal with it. I think God wants us to deal with it. Um, and we're going to come, come hit this stuff head on today. As we know, hurt people hurt people, right? You've heard that before. And offended people offend people. But what I'd love to get to the heart of today is that realizing that forgiven people can forgive people. And so that's where we're going with this one today. So I hope this is going to be good for you because here's the deal with unforgiveness. We think it's not a big deal. Oh, I heard this before. Yeah, I know this message. Yeah, I know I'm mad at so-and-so, but whatever, it's okay. The reality is it's not okay, right? Because we carry around the stress. Like, here's what they always say, the old line of unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And when you carry unforgiveness, you're only hurting yourself. Chances are there's people you're sitting here right now you're mad at. They don't even know that you're mad at them anymore. They don't even know, but you're walking around letting them, whatever happened in the past, still control you to this day. So I want to get you guys free of some of that today. Because if, if, if I were to ask right now, how many of us actually have this kind of problem with maybe some pent-up feelings of unforgiveness in here? If you really check the memory banks in your heart, may not be someone in your immediate life right now, but you think that whenever you hear a name come up, that you react negatively to that, then you got to, how many of you guys would, would be with me, honestly, and say, if I think hard enough, I'm probably mad at someone right now. I'm angry with someone. I've got some stuff to say. And if you're, you came with that person, you don't need to be like, that's cool. That's, you don't need to tell me that. Like that's, this is for you and God here today. But we're going to deal with this, some of this stuff today. We're going to deal with some of how do we address unforgiveness? How do we identify it? Because maybe we're not even aware that it's there. And how do we take some steps to get rid of this so that we can have a white Christmas? Here's what the Word of God says. We're going to be using this um, verse because it talks about white Christmas kind of in a different means. It says in Isaiah 1.18, Isaiah, the time of this writing is about 700 years before Jesus even showed up, before the New Testament. He's speaking for God to God's people. And he says this, this is God speaking. Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. I like that because you know what God is saying? He says, there's hope of you getting past what you've been dealing with right now. Let's settle this once and for all. Let's reason together. Let's prove that this can be done. Let's get you over and done with this. Let's deal with this situation right now. So here's God telling his people, hey, let's settle this. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. And here's what, what God is basically saying here is, is, look, I see you guys. You're bleeding out all over the place. You're hurting. You're dealing with, with gossip and betrayal. And, and maybe it's physical abuse, sexual abuse. Maybe it's just emotional abuse or verbal or words that have come at you. Or, or you grew up and your parents didn't treat you the way that good godly parents should treat anybody. And they tore you down and they've, they've destroyed 
your own self-image. I don't know what it is, but there's a lot of us in here that are dealing with this. And here's what the Lord is saying. Let's, let's deal with this. Let's fix it. And I, I don't want you to be dealing with, with the, the hurt and the pain. You're bleeding out. Your sins are like scarlet. I want to make them white as snow. I want to do something here. So let's, let's get going on this. God wants you to have freedom. I want you to have freedom. There's some stuff that I've walked through in my life before. You know, I was doing this. I don't know how long ago, maybe six, seven months ago. Sat one down one day and I got kind of convicted. God was showing me, hey, there's some more stuff for you to work on. So there's better ways to go in your life with people. I was like, okay, God. And I prayed the prayer that we, we, I've been talking about praying to the Holy Spirit, right? Show me, change me, and fill me. Like, show me what's broken and messed up inside of me. Then you change me, because I can't change myself. And then fill me, keep me filled up on that goodness. Whatever good is in there, just keep me full of that. So I prayed. God, who are the people in my life that maybe I need to show some forgiveness for? Is there hiding in me somewhere some unforgiveness that's slowing me down, that's hurting me, that isn't healthy for me? And as I began to pray this, no joke, I sat there praying and just thinking and on my phone, taking notes and trying to write down names. I came up with about 12 to 13 names in my life. And I'm like, wait, I'm a pastor. Like, that's bad. Like, I'm, I'm a sinner. Like, wow. You know, like, I thought I was okay. But when the Holy Spirit started to show me and reveal, hey, think about this name. And when I wrote that name down, I was like, something stirred up in me. I was like, anger, or there's hurt, or there's something. And I'm like, this is not healthy. And so I began to pray on these names. I began to give them to God, and I began to, to dig into this whole idea of unforgiveness that it's actually freeing me. It's not even about them. It's just about me getting free. And I'll tell you to this day, the, the list has been whittled down. I've only got about two or three now. So I'm only like, I'm less of a sinner than I was a few months ago. But here's the thing that I think about unforgiveness is you're probably always going to have a couple people on that list because some of the people you're able to offer forgiveness to and fully walk away free of that and they're, you don't even see them anymore. They're in your past. But the hard part is the people that you maybe live with right now in your immediate world, that maybe they're still hurting you or offending you or speaking negatively of you or whatever. And it's us taking control and learning what we're going to learn in this series that every single day we can get to the point. And then they may say something dumb again and hurt us again and we have to deal with it, but we can get to that point where at least we have some tools and some idea so we can walk around with clean hearts. So how many of you guys are actually interested in what we're about to preach about here today? Anybody? I hope so. The rest of you guys, we have free coffee in the courtyard. You can enjoy it. There's, yeah, anyways. But we're going to dig into this today. So here, let me just uh, talk about this first thought, which is I'd like to maybe disarm some of your arguments, some of my arguments that I have on why I think forgiveness is more than just a dream. The title of the message is more than just dreaming because we sing the song, right? I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. And some of us are going, yeah, forgiveness, yeah, that's a dream. That's just a dream. There's no way it could actually happen. And here I'll tell you why. Well, I want to talk about some of the reasons why we think it's just a dream and we could never actually be, be free and clear of the hurt that's been done to us. And here's the first one. Look in your notes. There's a fill in the blank. It says this, we don't understand forgiveness. Here's one of the reasons. We just don't really clearly understand what it is. We think it's something that it's not. And it really means this, that underneath that it says, it's not minimizing the hurt. Okay, you got to understand that. When God asks you to forgive someone, you're not minimizing the seriousness of the offense of what's been done to you. Because you, you might just go like, hey, you know what? I can't forgive because you don't know how bad it was. Well, we're not taking away anything about how bad it was. The person that wronged you, they were wrong. But forgiveness is you respond with right. Like they are clearly wrong. We're not saying that it wasn't bad. Oh, you're just getting, it's your perspective. It wasn't that bad. Maybe it was your fault. No, if they did wrong to you, they did wrong to you. We're not minimizing the hurt. We're just saying, but we choose in forgiveness to respond with what's right. 
we're not going to respond to that. So we're not minimizing the hurt. Nobody's being enabled to do anything else. It's all about how you treat it. Because here's the second thing about not understanding is we don't understand that it's not reconciliation. That's in your notes right there. It's not reconciliation. The goal would be awesome. We all reconcile. But here's the thing with reconciliation. That takes two. That's mutual. The person that wronged you and the person that's being wronged, they come to an agreement together. They own their stuff. They apologize. They have the right hearts. That's reconciliation. And that's God's ultimate for our lives. However, forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. Forgiveness is a one-player game. Forgiveness is you and God. Forgiveness is this is that you control the amount of freedom that you have in you. You can't change that other person. They may still continue to offend you. They may, they may have died and passed on already, and you can't even make reconciliation. But here's the thing about forgiveness. It sets you free. It lets you off the hook. It sets you free from being under their control and from walking around with the burden and the hurt. And now here's the deal about this unforgiveness thing. Because if you don't have reconciliation, and you might not get reconciliation, I might even recommend to you that you work on forgiveness but you might need to distance yourself from the people that have hurt you because it's toxic, because it's dangerous. It, reconciliation might not be even be attainable at this time. But what you need to do is get that forgiveness in you because you're free, because you want to be white as snow, because you want to walk around and not worry about, leave them up to God. So here's the third thing about not, not understanding. It's not minimizing. It's not reconciliation. But it's not forgetting what happened either. Some of us think to forgive means I have to totally forget. That's not always the case. The reality is it'd be great if sometimes you could forget all the hurt that's happened to you and all of that kind of stuff. But here's what I know in my life. I've been hurt by people. I've been, I've been really hurt by people, people that are close and you let in and they're in your world and, and they do stuff and you got to get past it and you got to forgive and you got to do all of this, these steps. And here's the thing is I've come to forgiveness with these people, different people that have hurt me. It's made me a better person. I got through it see the light at the end of the tunnel. But I still carry the scars of what they've done. I still remember the hurt and the pain. So in forgiveness, when God's asking you to forgive, it may not mean forgetting, but here's what I know about scars is every scar tells a story. And the cool thing about scars, I mean, think about it. Anybody in this room have scars on your body from anything? Like you nicked yourself shaving or, you know, like you got in a knife fight. I don't know. Well, you <laughs> I got this from prison. You know, I don't know what you got in here. Like, I'm, I'm not going to judge, but we all got scars. You know, we broke our leg before or we're dirt biking or whatever it might be. We have scars, but here's the cool thing about scars is the scars tell the story of a time that you were hurt before and there was a wound and something was messed up and hurting and broken, but the scar proves that that hurt is healed and now it tells a story. And see, the thing about us thinking, oh, forgiving means forgetting. It might not mean that you ever forget the hurt that was done to you, but you can forgive and say, but that wound is healed. And I remember what happened, but it's healed. And now you have a testimony to give life to other people to say, hey, I know what you're going through. Or don't worry, this is going to heal for you someday. So it's not the same as forgetting. So sometimes we just don't understand forgiveness. Some of you just learned something right there going, oh, really? I, I can do that? That makes sense. I can do that. Here's the second thing is, we don't, is that we don't think it's fair. This is one of our great excuses. Is, so my favorite excuse of my 10-year-old daughter, right? She's always like, it's not fair because she has two older siblings, right? If you have the, the younger child, they're always being like they want to compare themselves to the older ones, right? Well, the older brother and sister are 20 and 17, and she's 10, and she wants everything the same as them. And I'm like, the world just doesn't work that way. It's like, but we think this sometimes. It's not fair, 
I don't want to forgive that person. They're wrong. They're bad. They don't deserve to be forgiven. That's not fair. I don't deserve what they've done to me. It's not fair. Look at all these other people that go through all this stuff. It's not fair. I'm going to tell you really quickly in the way that God operates in our lives, we should be thankful that the world is not fair. And if you want to go down the fair game, let me give you something to think about right here in Matthew 18, what Jesus gives us a little lesson. Peter comes up to him, one of his best friends in the world, comes up and says, hey, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? And he's feeling pretty confident. Been following God, been listening to his words. Hey, Jesus, my man, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? And he's feeling confident, so he says this, seven times? Like, he's probably gonna go with, like, five, and he goes, now, nah, I'll show Jesus I'm pretty holy here. Like, like f- seven times, God? Is that pretty good? That's pretty good, huh? Look what Jesus says. No, not seven times. Jesus replied, 70 times seven. What? Peter's like, wait, hold on a minute. I thought I was pretty good. He goes, no, no, no. Here's what I'm trying to tell you is, you unlimited amount of times you offer forgiveness for someone that sins against you. And then he goes on to explain this. He tells parables, which I love Jesus for. He always breaks it down simple with a story. And he says this, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to this story. There's a king who decided to bring all of his accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of those guys, one of his debtors, was brought in who owed him several million dollars or millions of dollars. He totally couldn't pay, so his master, the king, ordered that he himself be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. In other words, give your very life, sell your very life to slavery to pay this debt. And the guy's going, there's, there's no way I can possibly do this. So what happens? It says in verse 26, the man fell down before his master and he begged, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him. The word pity here has to do with compassion or sympathy or, or mercy. And he was filled with passion for him, filled with mercy, and he released the man, and he forgave him his debt. But when the man left the king, he went right away to another fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. Now get this. This guy owed millions, and the king forgave him and let him off the hook. Now this guy, someone owes him a couple thousand, which is doable. It's payable. And here's his attitude towards this. He grabbed the guy by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me, please, and I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they're very upset. They went to the king. They told him everything that had happened. The king called in the man that he had forgiven and said, what are you doing, brah? It doesn't say that, but that's, (laughs) come on, you idiot. He says, you evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Then Jesus says this. Here's the lesson. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. You know what Jesus is basically saying? Because some of us are playing that game of like, it's not fair, Oh, I don't want to forgive that guy. They don't deserve it. Here's what Jesus is saying. It's like, okay, they don't deserve it, but do you deserve what I've done for you? And it's when you take it in that context that it flips everything upside down. Because Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is what? Death. 
That means that because of the way I'm born as a sinner, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, that what I deserve, what you deserve, what we all deserve is death, is eternal separation from God, is God not even having any part of our lives, is him being holy and perfect in heaven and us being messed up in sinners and dealing with the price of death and going to hell. That's heavy. But I'm very thankful that God doesn't play the fair game with me because if God played fair and he gave me what I deserved, I wouldn't have a chance. But thank you, Jesus, for going to that cross. Thank you that God is always right, but he's not always fair. Like God is always right. And here's the thing. We can choose to be fair with people or we can choose to be better. And too many of us are going around, it's not fair, it's not my 10-year-old daughter. It's not fair, I, you should treat me the same way as you treat Kylie and Isaac and how come they have phones and I don't? I'm like, you're in the fifth grade, who are you gonna call? Like, where are you going? What's your, you know, I drop you at school, I pick you up, like you have no need for a phone. I need a phone, it's not fair, they get phone. Treat me the same way. And the reality is she wants all the same, so I wanna stay up as late as them. And I want to go out with my friends. And why do I have to stay with my parents when they get to go cruise with their friends? I'm like, okay, you want to play the fair game? You want to be treated the same as Kylie and Isaac, your other siblings? Okay, how about you start cooking all your meals on your own and for the rest of the family too? Uh, how about you get your license and drive yourself to school, fifth grader? Like, let's see you go get a car and drive yourself. You know, like Kylie, she moved to San Francisco. Let's see you save enough money and go get a part-time job and pay your own rent and pay your own salary and all this. You want to play the fair game? See, suddenly the fair game doesn't sound as good anymore, right? So here, let me just kind of disarm that argument on, it's not fair that I have to forgive someone. Here's the deal. It wasn't fair that Jesus forgave you of your sins, but he did it anyway. And we can choose to be fair or we can choose to be bitter. So here's the third thing that I think sometimes we're just dreaming, ah, it could, it could never happen. Bottom line is we just don't think we can do it. Fill that in your blanks. You just don't think you can do it. It's too hard. It's impossible. Pastor Carl, it's good. That, thanks for preaching that message. It's all nice and holidays and whatever. You have no idea what whoever did to you. Fill in the blank. You have no idea what my mom did to me. You have no idea what my ex-husband has done to me and destroyed this family. You have no idea what happened when my boss laid me off and he said those words about, you don't even know, I can't do this. I just can't do this. Let me read you a verse in Philippians 4.13 that I hope will give you a little bit of hope for where you're at right now. Philippians 4.13, Paul writes, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. See, the first thing you need to know about trying to forgive something that seems impossible is this. I admit to myself, I cannot do it. Dot, dot, dot alone. I can't do it alone. But with the help of Jesus and what he's doing here in my life, there's hope that I can actually do this thing. You know what he's trying to say is, the, the first verse we read here today, let's settle this. Let's finish this. Let's fix this. Let's bring it all to right. Let me make you white as snow. God's not just saying, hey, you need to do this. Here's what God is saying. He goes, you need to do this, but I'm going to come on the scene and I'm going to come with you and I'm going to strengthen you and I'm going to support you so that you can do it. You don't have to do it alone anymore. See, one of the, the names that we call the Holy Spirit that God has given everyone that believes is, it starts with an H, he's the helper. Why would he give the helper if he, if he didn't think that we would need some help? So when we need help and we're like, I can't do it, God's going, that's why I'm here. That's why I showed up through Christ. You can do everything. He'll strengthen you. Here's a story that I was at Hillsong Conference in Sydney, Australia in 2012, and it's an incredible place to be. I went a couple times to this thing, and you walk back just lit up, fired up. The worship is amazing. The speakers are incredible. The workshops are awesome. You meet other people and pastors, and you're just like, you're fired up. You're inspired. And I went to this thing in 2012, and there's all these guest, guest speakers 
30,000 people in this arena for like five days. Just unreal, incredible. And one of the speakers is Joyce Meyer. You guys know who Joyce Meyer is, anybody? Some of you guys are like, yeah, Joyce Meyer. Some of you guys are Meyer who? Oscar Meyer, Wiener? I don't know who that is. Like, you don't have to know her, but she's this, this famous speaker and author and minister and, and just super insightful and awesome, this, this woman. But she went on to tell the story in front of 30,000 people about how her father, when she was a little girl, raped her over 200 times. 200 times her own dad raped her as a little girl. In front of 30,000 people, she's coming clean with this. And I was sitting there, and it was literally dead silent in that whole arena, because that's heavy. Because I'm, she opened up the, the sermon with, I'm going to talk about unforgiveness today. And I'm going, nah, I'm pretty good. I don't really have anybody. I forget, yeah, whatever. And you hear this, and you go, oh my gosh, this is heavy. And she goes on to say, my dad did this to me over 200 times. In fact, it's not just a rough number. She goes, I know exactly how many times it happened. Because it's ingrained in my head. And she says this, as I was growing up until I left the house at 18, this was going on. And she met Christ along the way when she was like nine or 10 years old. She became a Christian, but this was still going on in her house. She left, left home. She went on to build this awesome life for herself, married the ministry. You guys know, you've heard of her. She's done a whole bunch of good, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people have been saved under her ministry and awesome stuff. But she said all along for all those years, she still remembered what had happened to her. And it was, it was a struggle. It hurt her. She had unforgiveness and bitterness and anger towards her dad. How can this happen? Jesus, you're good. Thank you. You redeem me. But man, I hate that man for all of these years. There's a time when her dad was in the hospital and he was dying years and years and years later. He's dying and she, she felt God telling her, it's time that you begin this, this process of forgiving your dad. What? No way. She went to him. He was dying in the hospital. She went to care for him. She moved him to her city. She bought him a house. She gave him food and clothing. She took care of him. And when she did it, she went first and asked dad, hey, how come he did this stuff? And he literally said this. I was just reading about this the other day. He goes, oh, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Why are you so mad about it? And she's like, oh, my gosh. And she bought him the house. She cared for him for four years. And finally, she met with him one day. He called her over, and he just with tears in his eyes, said, Joyce, I'm so sorry for what I did. I'm sorry I was such a coward to admit the wrong that I did to you and that I've hurt you. And I apologize to you and to your husband and your family and your life. I've done that. And he's, he's crying. He's bawling as he's saying it. She, in that moment, as she forgives him, she then leads him to Jesus. He goes, I want to know the Jesus that you know. She leads him to Christ in that moment. And then a couple days later, she baptizes her father. And a few years after that, I forget how long after that, but he eventually dies and he goes on to be with the Lord. But people ask her about this and she's preaching in front of all these people telling this crazy stuff that happened. She says this, I wouldn't erase what happened to me for one second of what happened. I would never take back all the harm and the hurt that I had to endure and then live with all those years because, this is what she said, because the miracle and the freedom and the salvation and the forgiveness that came because of that, she says, the miracle and the freedom and the restored relationship, the reconciliation, my father going to heaven, us being on good terms, she goes, that far outweighed all the pain that I had to go through. The miracle was greater than the pain. But she says, the only way that she could possibly get through that was through Jesus. There's no way you go through something like that and you on your own just go, oh, goodwill, hopeful thinking, being optimistic, I can face that thing. And here's the point is, some of us are just flat out, we're sitting here right now going, Psh, Nope, I can't do it. I don't have the strength to do it. 
Here's this testimony about Joyce Meyer. Now there's hundreds of thousands of people that have found forgiveness through that story. Is that the miracle was better than the pain. You can do it. How? Through Christ who gives me strength. Amen? That's heavy in itself. But let me tell you, as we move forward, I'm going to give you some practical things. Right now you're going, okay, that sounds like a good idea. I get it. I understand it. I do need to release some stuff. How do I do it? Let me give you some practical stuff. And and write this down in your notes. It's not in a fill-in-the-blank thing. But here's the first big truth that you need to understand about forgiveness. Or guess what? Forgiveness won't work in your life. Here's the first truth. Write this down. Forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. When you understand that, everything begins to shift in your life and you're able to do the same. It's a choice, not a feeling. Because here's what you think, here's what I think, here's what the world tells us, is that we lead with feelings and then the choices will follow. If I'm feeling that way, okay, then I'm going to go along with how I'm feeling. But in God's kingdom and in God's plan for, for forgiveness happening in your life, it's completely opposite of how you think. It's counterintuitive. It's against the way that you're feeling. And here's what he's saying is choices lead and feelings will follow. You have to choose forgiveness as I am going to do this thing, God, and I'm asking for your help. And then God will begin to choose, change your feelings towards it, and you're going to find forgiveness. But if you miss this, you're missing the whole deal because you're going to be trying on your own strength and your own feelings, and you're never going to feel like forgiving the people that have hurt you the way they have. So I'm, I want to say this, is choose the foolish plan, because what looks foolish to man is wisdom to God. First Corinthians 1, 25 says, this foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. I'm so thankful for that verse right there because most days in my life, I feel pretty weak and I feel pretty foolish. And I'm thinking, God, why would you use me? And this verse says it right here is, I got you, Carl. I know you're not the brightest. That's okay. But I got you on this one. I specifically chose you to show what the world thinks is foolish to show my incredible wisdom, my incredible strength. And if you want to embrace forgiveness in the real way, then you're going to have to lead with a choice that looks foolish to the world. It feels foolish to you. You lead with a choice and the feelings are going to follow. It's, it's going to happen, but don't trust your feelings that it's not what you think, it's not what you feel, that your pride is not your guide. And my friend told me this this week, your ego is not your amigo, right? Right there. Your pride is not your guide, your ego is not your amigo. I love that one. But it's what we're thinking is like, oh, for forgiveness? Well, I don't feel it. Yeah, this is, this is where you're going to have to flip it upside down and you're going to have to go with choosing it. For, well, it's not fair because they're, they're going to make me feel like a doormat. They're going to walk all over me. Or you know what? They don't deserve it, God. In fact, they didn't even apologize to me. Yeah, I know you're not going to feel like it makes any sense. It's a foolish plan in the eyes of men. But the foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest plans of men. So I'm going to ask you here, Carl, if you want to get forgiveness for those people, you're going to have to choose what looks foolish. It's a choice. It's not a feeling. So how do we walk this out? How do we know? Someone came to me at the back door today in tears, and they said, I'm really mad at my boss. Every single day, I wish he would die. I wish he was killed. Like, I'm so mad. It's been years and years and years. That's heavy stuff. Some of you guys are carrying that degree. And and he asked, how do I know when forgiveness comes? I said, oh, you will definitely know. The people on my list that I was praying for, that God, can you bring forgiveness and all that, 
it's so weird because when their name pops up, I don't, I don't feel anything about them anymore. Like I'm free of it. In fact, I pray for them and I bless them. And so here's some of the things that I want to give you today, practical stuff about how you know when forgiveness is working in your life. And, and the first thing is this, pray for them. Matthew 5.43, Jesus said, you've heard the law that says, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That means you actually pray, you ask God to bless people. You pray good things for them. That you can't actually be praying for someone and hating them at the same time. It's just like, no, that doesn't work. It can't be light and darkness. But pray, and I'm not talking about, because some of you guys already do pray, right? You're like, I pray that they hit traffic every day and that I pray that the gift they're looking for on Amazon is not available until after Christmas. Lord, I pray that they get hemorrhoids. Lord, I pray that their Wi-Fi goes down in the middle of their Netflix series that they're binge watching. Lord, I just pray, and that is not good prayers, okay? God is talking about pray for good. Here's a prayer that you should begin praying for these people that have, that have wronged you and hurt you. If you want to experience unforgiveness, pray this. Pray for God to change them the way that he changed you. Because at one point, you've done some pretty bad stuff in your life, and God forgave you, and people forgave you. But pray, God, would you change them? Here's a second thing. that These are actual just practical things you can do. The word says to bless them. Bless them. Praying is one thing. You're praying for them. Blessing means to speak well of them. It means to speak out. Here's, here's what it says in Luke 6:27. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Romans 12, 14, another great verse says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them because our go-to, our feeling, our way of handling it is we curse them. We call them all kind of names. We come up with creative new names for them and use curse words in all these areas. And like we curse, we curse, we curse. But here's the problem. How's that actually working for you? Is your cursing them actually bringing healing to your life or is it just agitating you that much more and you're staying angry? And if that's the case, then it's time to flip it upside down and do what doesn't feel right, but do it God's way, the foolish way. Choose to forgive even if you don't feel like forgiving. And the word here, bless, means to speak well of them. It means to praise them. It means to celebrate them. Here's a good test to, to know whether you have forgiveness in your heart. In conversation with someone, when their name pops up, what are the words that you immediately speak out of your mouth? Oh, hey, are you good friends with da 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 Oh, let me tell you about them. Ba 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 right? And the cursing comes out. But see, if unforgiveness is still in there, that's going to be cursing. But if forgiveness is starting to work in your life, you choose to not say anything negative. And you probably have a long list that you could say. But you choose to look for something good about them and go, yeah, you know what? They're a good friend, and you point out the good attributes. Just by speaking it out, the word says in James that the tongue has the power of life and death. And as you speak something out, it begins to change your attitude and your heart, and it's saying bless them when their name comes up. Don't throw them under the bus. Don't speak bad about them. Don't gossip behind their back. If you have to just be quiet, then be quiet. But get to the point where you can actually speak to the good that's going on in their life. Someone, someone asked me this, because I said... Um, I'm having a hard time forgiving someone. I'm having a hard time biting my tongue when their name comes up or, or whatever. And they said, you know what? In a few years, think about yourself five years from now. This thing will probably have blown over. The thing will have sorted itself out one way or another. But five years from now, when you look back and think of how you handled this situation and how you spoke about that person, will you look back and be proud of the way that you acted and the words that you used? Or are you going to be disappointed in yourself? Imagine your kids five years from now talking to you and going, hey, dad, how'd you go through that crazy situation with so-and-so? What are you going to be able to tell your kids? 
Uh, you know what? I spoke good of them. I prayed for them. I, I celebrated them. They hurt me, but I chose to go the righteous way. I chose to forgive as a choice and not as a feeling. And here's the third thing, that besides praying and blessing them, this, is, this is, kind of takes a lot, but this is simply do good to them. This is with your actions, choose to do good to them, even if they don't deserve it. Romans 12, 17. Here's, here's the kind of the scenario. It says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. You know what that means right there? It doesn't mean you have to be their best friend, but what do you need to do to be good enough and honorable enough to at least have peace? Common courtesy, decency, treat them as another human being. Just, just chill with the retaliation and the revenge. Just relax. He says, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Now, what this is asking us to do, this is heavy. I can pray for them. I can speak well of them. But when they're around you, that you'd actually do good to them, that you would actually be good. That there's a couple ways that I believe that we can respond when someone is aggressive towards us or they've hurt us or they've abused us or whatever. And it's often the, the fight or flight routine, right? It's like, man, I'm going to retaliate. I'm going to get revenge. and I'm going to speak bad. I'm going to do something back to you. Or we let those words and we let those offenses beat us up and we flight, right? We run, we cower and we hide. We get intimidated. We let it knock down our self-esteem. We get bummed out and we, and we walk away. And I believe what the Bible is suggesting is that there's another way, is that don't let them have control over you. Don't let them put fear in you, intimidation, but also don't let them put anger and revenge on you. Here's what the Bible's saying is just, just be good. Wait, wait, what? Just be good to them. If they're hungry, give them something to eat. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. That's going to pile shame on their head because they're going to have to deal with the fact that they're trying to get at you, but they can't. Because you're just being good. Now, I'm not saying you let them walk all over you, but there's a point where I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to let anger eat me up. Listen to this. I love this story in this verse in Exodus 14, 14. This is Moses. He just led all the Israelites out of Egypt under Pharaoh's rule, and there was all the ten plague, the, the, the plagues and the, the promises of more destruction if Pharaoh doesn't let God's people go. So Pharaoh let them go. Moses is leading all the children of Israel into the wilderness, and they're about a week out of Egypt. Pharaoh gets a hard heart, changes his mind, send all of his troops after them. And you guys know the story. The children of Israel, they're on the run. They come up against the Red Sea, and they're like, oh, man, we're trapped. What do we do right now? These guys are about to catch up with us, and they have this choice. Is it fight or flight? Do we fight them? Do we run away and cower and really get scared? And what are we supposed to do with these guys? And look what the verse says that Moses tells them. He says, the Lord himself will fight for you. Simple words, just stay calm. Some of you guys are, are right now so busy about thinking how to get back at the person that's hurt you, or you're letting those words and those feelings and those actions beat you down and you're living in fear. And God's saying, don't choose either of those things. Just stay calm and do good. Don't let them get in your head. Don't let them have control over you. Just keep doing what you're doing and be good to them and just be good. It's like this, uh, this story I always tell, but it just the first thing that comes to my mind is, is that sometimes when someone's after you and they're doing something to you, it, you don't fight, you don't fly, you just, 
just do good. Just stay calm. Just be there. Just chill. Relax. Pump your brakes. Settle down. You're good. You're good. God's going to come through for you. And here's an amazing miracle was that they stayed calm, and the miracle was right around the corner for the children of Israel, wasn't it? The Red Sea parted, and God did this incredible thing. He goes, you don't have to fight. You don't have to be scared and run. Just stay calm. Watch what I'm about to do. I'll see you through this thing. So I was surfing on the west side. This is like one of my favorite stories. If you heard it before, keep it to yourself. Don't give away the ending. Yeah, spoilers. Spoiler alert. But I was surfing on the west side with my friend Lance. Um, this is like a, a, year, a couple years ago. The west side, if you guys know, it's kind of like wild, wild west out there. It's a little, can get a little bit. There's some angry people out there, right? I heard, I heard somebody say like, oh, they're not, they're not really just angry, but they're just hot. Augie T said that, right? He goes, oh, no, they're not angry on the west side. They're just hot. It's just hot and dry all the time. But whatever the reason, you, you just, you got to like be respectful out there, right? So I go surfing out there from time to time and, and I'm respectful. And there's like, a, there's like a heavy local vibe and all that out there. But I'm cool. Like I'm, I'm cool, Pastor Carl. Like I throw shakas and eyebrows at everybody, right? Because that's, isn't that what we do, guys? We don't have to use words. Like women are like, hey, nice blouse. How are you doing today? And guys just go like this. And you get one in, in return. And you're good. That's all we need. Like, we're cool. Like, it's good. So I paddle out, and I'm throwing shakas and eyebrows, and everything's good for me. But some guy paddles out, heavy local guy, instantly paddles out. And there's like 10 people out in the water or whatever. And for whatever reason, he just kind of zooms in on me. And I'm like, uh-oh, I might have some problems here today. So I try to be all cool, and I'm just, I'm paddling around, surfing, doing my deal. And this, I see the guy, this, this, this kind of heavy guy. He catches a wave. It's a good wave. It's a, it's a good-sized wave. And he comes flying out over the back of the wave off his board. And I'm going, oh, where's he? Oh, where's he going? Oh, oh, oh. And I'm, I'm literally paddling. And he just body slams me on my board. Like there's open water all around me. And he chooses me as a place to land, right? And I'm just like, bah, underwater. And I'm just thinking right now, like fight or flight. I probably can't take this guy. So that's check. Not going to do that one. Uh, and then I'm thinking, about, well, do I get intimidated? Should I just paddle in right now? Because this is like nuts. What if he tries it? Oh, no, I'm not going to do that one either. And I just felt like this verse, like God was just speaking to me, just stay calm, just do good, just be good to this person. I was like, what? This guy just tackled me like crazy. So I come up out of the water and he comes up and I can't show like that I'm hurt, right? Or fear or anything, right? So I'm just like, hey, you okay? <laughs> and he's like, you okay with you jumping out of the wave and falling on my body? Did I hurt you in any way? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and he just looks at me, glares at me and I was like, oh, right on. And I'm just thinking, man, how do I do this? How do I do this thing right? And I literally, as I'm paddling away, go like this to the guy. Hey, nice wave. Like, I'm just like, I'm just going to pile it on. I'm not going to be intimidated, but I'm not going to fight back. And I'm like, where's Lance? Because I would fight back, but where did Lance go? Lance didn't see it. So I just stayed out the whole rest of the day. I'm just going to be good to this guy. I'm just going to be cool. I'm not even going to trip on it. And I paddle in, and we're walking back to the truck. As we're walking, I go, Lance, you seen that guy, like, body slamming? He's like, what? I go, I go, yeah, the guy, like, pulled out a wave, landed right on my back, and he's like, which guy? I'm like, that guy right there. He goes, oh, you like me? Beat him up. <laughs> he goes, nobody messes with my pastor. I was like, and so for a minute, I had to hesitate a little bit. Because <laughs> I was like, hmm, this is, I, I was kind of thinking, like, if you don't mind, I'll hold, I'll hold your board. There's that guy right there, like. Let me know how it goes. I'll meet you at the truck in five, you know? But I, I, I check myself, and I go, nah, kill him with kindness. And he goes, okay, okay. And we walked back to the truck, and we had a good talk about that and how, how the Lord gives us the ability. It was just a good talk. But you know what? I walked away, drove away that day, feeling like I had won, like I had victory, because I didn't have anger and animosity in my heart because I didn't retaliate, but I wasn't intimidated and fearful. I just stayed calm 
and did good. So maybe the word for you today, there's, there's pray for them, there's bless them. Maybe it's you just got to do good to them. Be courteous, be kind, be respectful. You don't have to be their best friend. You don't have to run in fear, but be cool. Here's a main thought for today. I'm going to end with this verse and one main thought. It's Paul writing in Ephesians 4.31. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. There's the key. Because I can't get rid of anger and bitterness and rage on my own. But then he drops this little line right here that qualifies it. Forgive one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Man, that's heavy. See, if we have problems with unforgiveness in our hearts right now, there's two reasons why. Number one is maybe we haven't been forgiven. Maybe we haven't experienced the forgiveness of God. Maybe you're not a Christian and you're just like, this is hard. I haven't been forgiven. But the second thing I think is more appropriate for the rest of us in here is that we've forgotten that we've been forgiven. Some of us are holding on to unforgiveness, and I'm not going to give it to anyone else. And the reality is this. I said this from the beginning. Hurt people, hurt people. Offended people, offend people. But forgiven people, forgive people. And this is just food for thought. We're going to be digging more in this whole series to come. But I'm hoping today that we can get to that point of when you realize that you've been forgiven, all you've been forgiven, because I don't care. I've been a Christian as long as I have. I'm a pastor up here. I'm still a sinful person that battles with the flesh every day, and I surrender it to Jesus Christ every day. Because I know me, and you know you. You know what you're capable of. You know what you do on the daily I know the greed, the selfishness, the pride, the lust, the anger. I know what I'm capable of. But when I remember that God sent his son to die on a cross to forgive me of all of that, man, that gives me the capacity now to offer that forgiveness to other people. So I'm going to pray right now, and we're just going to pray that we can kind of get through this and that maybe today is the start of something good that could happen in your life so, so you could have a white Christmas as well on your heart. Let's pray. Lord. We're here today, Father, we love you. We thank you for this word today, as hard as it might have been for some of us to hear. But some of us, we've been hurt really bad. Maybe people know about it, maybe people don't, but Lord, we know, and it hurts, and it's unhealthy, and it stirs up stuff in our lives that we don't like, and we're tired of carrying the burden and the weight of this stuff. And so, Lord, today, we just want to ask that you would begin to give us the capacity to forgive. Lord, as we realize how much we've been forgiven and what you've done in our lives, God, we, gotta, we have nothing to complain about. We can't say it's not fair and they don't deserve it. Lord, they may still be stuck in their sin, but this forgiveness thing, it's about us getting our hearts clean before you. And reconciliation, that may still be a dream, but that's up to them. But Lord, we want to be forgiven and we want to be free and have clean hearts. Lord, so I pray that this morning right now that as we're thinking of the people that have wronged us and that hurt us and that we still have problems with, Lord, that we could begin to give that to you, release that to you. Lord, we're asking for your help, that we could begin to, to do physical things like praying and blessing them and doing good to them that would show us that we're clean and we're free. And when we deal with those people or their names come up, Lord, that we, we don't have to trip on it. We don't have to worry. We don't have to stress. We don't get angry. But we can live in the full freedom and liberty that you promise and just have those white hearts that we want. We need it, God. We need it every single day. Help us. Give us the capacity to forgive the way that you've forgiven us. And Lord, right now as I continue to pray, maybe that I need to, to lead some people in a prayer of forgiveness. And the prayer of forgiveness is one where you accept the forgiveness that God offers to you when he sent his son to die on the cross. Here's the deal. He sent his son to die for every single person, but not every person 
chooses. You have to choose it. You have to receive it. You have to allow him to forgive you your sins and to be a Christian and to, to walk with you in your life. It doesn't happen automatic. He died and made the opportunity available to forgive you, but you have to choose. And a lot of us in this room, we've chosen already. Yes, God, I choose forgiveness. I choose to receive you in my life. But for maybe those of you that haven't, you've come this morning, and I don't know what brought you to church today. God prompted your heart. Someone made you come. Someone invited you, whatever reason. But you know deep in your heart right now that, that you want all that God has to offer for your life, that he has hope for you, that he has the power to, to change your hard-heartedness, the, the hurt, the pain that you may be experiencing. He can take it away. He wants to help you if you let him. And all you got to do is let him. Say yes to him and what he did and believe in who he is and what's going, what he has planned for your life. And so I want to lead you in a prayer if that's you here this morning. Simple prayer. It's a prayer where you just decide, it's a choice to say, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to accept the forgiveness that you're offering. And if you like that today, then that, by doing so in your heart, that's what makes you a Christian. When you tell God that you believe in him and what he did at the cross and you choose to live for him, you're now in the family and God's got you and he's gonna do good things in your life. I promise you that. He's done it in my life and countless people in this room. If you want that today, I wanna to lead you in a simple prayer. I'll pray the words out loud. You pray them quietly. I won't make you pray in front of all these people right now. I'm gonna pray it out loud. You take these words, you own it in your heart to God. He will honor that. He hears you and your life will change forever. I guarantee. If that's something you'd like to do here today, you wanna to say this prayer with me, I'm gonna ask one thing though. I would love to know who I get the privilege of praying with this morning. So I'm just gonna ask that you could let me know. No one else is looking around right now. Eyes are closed, heads are bowed. If you wanna pray this prayer with me right now, can you let me know you're gonna pray with me by just raising your hand right now? Just put your hand up. Good, I see hands going up across the room. Just go ahead and hold them up. I just wanna acknowledge that I saw you. I saw you, I saw you, I got you. I see you there, I see you, I see you, I see you. I see that one in the back. I got you, ma'am. I see you, miss, over here. I see this hand. There's a lot of hands in the room today. Praise God. And if, if you're in the kids' zone, the parents' zone, the family's room back there, somebody sees you. If you're in the courtyard watching, if you're watching even online at this service here, God sees that heart, and you don't have to raise your hand. But put your hands down now. Would you make this the prayer of your heart? This is the prayer, your moment that changes everything. Here we go. You just make this your prayer in your heart. God, I'm here today, and I'm telling you, I want you. I need you. Lord, I believe in you, really, honestly, with everything I am. Here's my heart. Here's my life. Lord, I believe that your son died on a cross to pay the price for my sin so I wouldn't have to. And so, Lord, he, he rose on the third day, proving he had power over death, but also power over the guilt and the shame and the mistakes and the addictions and the problems and all the stuff that keeps me separated from you. And that, Lord, because I believe this, I receive this free gift of salvation, which means I'm in your family, that you got my back, you're my father, you love me. From here on out, you're going to begin a new work in me. You're going to change me and make me into a new creation that I'm created to be. Lord, so I promise to give my, my life to you and to live for you all of my days. Thank you for what you just did right now. Even though I may not see it or feel it, things just shifted, and my life is about to get better. Thank you for being my God from here on out. In Jesus' name, the church said, Amen. Amen. Let's praise God. Let's give a round of applause for those people that prayed out this morning. So good.